I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Vogelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 138. Yep. Yep. Comic All right. Talk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's what we'll, every week we'll just steal something from another show. That's great. <laughs> we only really steal from one show, though. <laughs> that's that's true. We're very lazy when it comes to that. Neca's episode, it's on shelves now. <laughs> great. Um, so, yeah, um, we're actually not even doing comic talk. We're going to work on that. No, 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 no. Don't tell, don't tell them what it's going to be about. I, I, I Jim... You tell them what this first segment's going to be and why we're going to do this first segment, because the blame for this solely rests on your shoulders and you know it. So let Jim tell them what we're doing for this first segment of the show. Wow. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, we're going to be talking about things that are awesome. So guys, if you want to start your topic, because I mean, (laughs) talking about things that are awesome, because I'm awesome, I'm solely responsible for the awesomeness of the show, so... Let's go, guys. Lauren is more awesome than you. That is true. Um, so after what a calendar year of us trying to play some voicemails, but Jim always going, "I'm sleepy or I don't feel like it." We're gonna go back as far as we can in our email account and get to as many voicemails as we can. We're we're we're, lim- we're limiting ourselves to ones that happened in 2012, at least at the moment. So uh, let's see. I haven't listened. I don't think to any of these because I usually wait so I, it can be fresh on the air. So I don't know about you guys, but I have no idea what we're getting into. Yeah, so this should be fun. So starting with January 3rd of 2012. We have uh, a voicemail from Andy. Okay, we're going to play it. And, yeah, here we go. Hey, this is Andy from Claremont. Just listened to your podcast, episode 113 or 130, I don't know. Uh, you said you don't have anybody leaving you voicemail, so here's a voicemail for you. And yes, you do have a uh, an intro to your voicemail. Oh, cool. Uh, how apropos. That this is the first one we play. And by the way, it's Anthony. I, I was just reading the Google Voice translation, which is probably a bad thing to rely on. Good job! <laughs> Google Voice is the most accurate tool we have at our disposal. <laughs> Somehow accurate. But thank you for leaving a voicemail. <laughs> yes. And hey, now we know we actually have a message there. Yes. Uh, awesome. Okay. Next? Uh, which one is next? Uh, uh, January 12th from, if Google Voice can be relied upon, Jesse in South Carolina. Which it probably can't. Here we go. Hey, Jim and Dan, this is Jesse from South Carolina. I was just listening to your Not the Rebirth episode where you said nobody ever calls your voicemail, so I decided to call it. Um, love the podcast. Uh, keep up the great work, guys. Um, it's nice to listen to podcasts <laughs> about Green Lantern, where the people are actually fans of the book. And one other thing, um, I'm one of those 13 people in the world who hates coffee also. So we are out there. That's all for now. Bye. Aha, in your face. (laughs) He is Jesse from South Carolina. 
<laughs> Down with coffee. Vindication. That's what that is. Hot, hot dirt water. I hate that stuff. <laughs> oh god, I'm you know, I think I've said this. I've never tried to drink any of it because I can't get past the smell. I honestly got it smells so awful. He actually thinks we're fans of the uh, Green Lantern comic. Yeah, well, I think it's more interesting that none of these people ever say hi to Chad. It's always you and me. Well, can't really blame them for that. Am I an official co-host? I was listening to some old episodes, and just so people know, I'm actually trying to put together another Best of the Lantern Cast CD. I was listening to some old episodes, and I don't think we've ever actually said that I'm a co-host now, other than actually on the website. I think episodes. <laughs> Episode 200, there'll be, like, a knighting ceremony. There'll be music, it'll be great. Yeah, honestly, honestly, I, I think it's probably funnier if we never officially recognize it. <laughs> oh, my oh God. Lord. So if you Let's want see. to be the third co-host on the Lantern cast, let us know. Leave a, voice, <laughs> leave a voicemail at 708-Lantern. Play it right away. We should deputize random people to become co-hosts before chat. Oh my god. Is Bloom available? <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're funny. Oh man. He has listened to every episode. Yeah. It's more than I can say for me. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be funny if Chad's new Best of CD was just of CGS episodes? Or we take it, it would be even funnier if it was all the, just the Best of Chad. <laughs> yeah. It's just like like 80 episodes of, and I'm Chad Volkelman, and I'm Chad Volkelman, and I'm Chad Volkelman. Oh, man. I I love the, uh, like, the anniversary and, like, the special episodes, like, where we have, like, like, 30 people on the podcast, and it's just, like, the intro just keeps going name after name. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Next February 7th? Week. Yep, February 7th. Okay. Get up there. There it is. February 7th. Alright. This one is from... Cashless Maple. Alright. Why not? Cashless Maple New Direction. Wait a second. <laughs> Alright, let's play this one. <clears throat> okay, this is for Jim Ford. <laughs> this is Lantern Cashless in our bold New Direction. Sitting at work listening to... Episode 113, and I heard your call out for a German greeting. <laughs> I'm sitting in front of Google Translator, and I'm about to give this a shot. So here we go. <laughs> Hallo und danken für den Aufruf der Lanterncast. Bitte hinterlassen Sie eine Nachricht und hat einen guten Tag. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> through the wonder, through, through the wonder that is Google Voice, yes. um, uh, oh. to Google Voice, that message in German, the German portion, uh, sounded apparently like, "Hello." When Don King's Road then offered, as I entered, cast be taking the licenses. I did not great or in the hot side, including Todd. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh my god. We have the best listeners ever because they're actually le- listening to our insane requests for German voice band. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, Bold New Direction, I think you should probably consider changing your forum name to Cashless Maple New Direction. 
Or just Cassius <laughs> Maple. Cassius Maple, you'd say that a, is gold. That could be like an indie movie reference or something. Yeah. Oh, yay, we have another one from Bold New Direction. Cassius <laughs> Maple, you mean? That, yes, um, Cassius Maple. <laughs> February 12th. <laughs> I don't have February 12th. Oh, wait, he called into the Lansing cast. Wait, do you yeah, mean February did. 13th? Yeah, February 13th. Uh, Chad just said the 12th. That's because the message says the 12th. That's what it says. Waiting on. The one oh, that ends with oh. Charles Bronson. That's uh, because he's oh. logged in from a different time zone. Oh, damn it, Chad. Okay. Alright. Ready? Yep. Go. Yo, what's up, Lantern Cast? This is listener Bold New Direction calling in with a scoop. Check out Green Lantern Core Issue 5, page 4 on the title page. The new lantern, Bron Chuck. Bron Chuck. Tell me that dude does not totally look like Charles Bronson. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He scooped you, Jim. He scooped you. Oh, sorry, Cashless Maple. (laughs) So, uh... Just, I mean, as if saying February wasn't enough. So, what issue of Green Lantern Corps are we on right now? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty then. Okay. February 15th. Hang on. I'm not there yet. February. Scott Pike. Oh. Yeah, Scott Pike, February 15th. Alright, no transcript available. Ooh. I don't know what we're getting into here. No, there is. <laughs> you have to actually hit play my first. Hi, this is Scott Pike, Salem Morgan. I just listened to the first part of episode 117 and only in 38 minutes into the show, and I paused it just so I could get my own personal response to uh, what you guys are talking about, how Sinestro has changed. I wrote it down. I just wanted to say um, this is the reason why he's different between yellow guy that he was before the reboot and afterward. First, I agree that he is different now. I don't think he has changed so much as the influence of the rings has changed him. We know those rings of yellow power altered the personalities of Howl and Guy, and they seem to bring about the more sadistic sides of people's hearts. I think that the changes we see in Sinesto come from two major things. He has been the same since before he lost the Green Lantern ring the first time. By that I mean he has great will, he plans, and he's willing to use terror to bring order. At least that's been the interpretation since 2005. But when he lost the green power ring, he was filled with rage and confusion, like we all suffer after we get fired. However, eventually he came up with a plan to change the corpse, to change the corpse according to his will using the yellow power ring. In the process, he became even more ruthless, and then the yellow brought out the sadistic. Now, the two changes. The first is he isn't the so we are seeing the more controlled Green Lantern version of Sinestro now. The other side is still there, but it's more controlled now. I've seen Sinestro as like a bridge character between Green Lantern and Batman. Like Batman, he suffered from crime and chaos since he was young, and he sought to control his environment by fighting back using his will and terror on the evil guys. The difference between Sinestro and Batman is intelligence, will, or even tools, really. They also both use fear in Sinestro's case as both GL and the Yellow Lantern. The difference is, 
Sinestro is Batman with a cosmic ring and going over the lines that Batman won't cross, basically killing and taking over the government to punish the wicked and stop all crime. But Sinestro is the logical conclusion of Batman if he wasn't restricted <laughs> at all by the law. We saw that in an episode of Justice League featuring the Justice Lords. The other change in him is that Sinestro has been following long-term plans since he got the Yellow Ring. But when he got the ring powering, again, his plans were derailed since they probably included him being the leader of the Sinestro Corps. This is probably the reason that he was so adamant about getting the ring off before the reason. Now his old long-term plans have mostly been achieved and what remains have been derailed, so he has had to make new plans which require him to act different. Also, he might not know what he's doing now, and he's just winging it. I think that pretty much covers... Oh, I cut him off just a little bit. Now, for those of you who don't know, our voicemail does have a limit of three minutes. Um, but I, I think it, it... I think he summed up his points, right? Right before... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, now we know why Jason loves Sinestro. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's basically Batman. <laughs> with a power ring. <laughs> Um, what do you think? What do you think about that? The whole like the similarities between Sinestro and Batman. Well, I think I think Johns is definitely drawing on the appeal of Batman to redeem Sinestro. Um, hmm. But I, I think I, I definitely think that like a large part of the whole thing is that. Like, John's, you know, he's on a mission to redeem Sinestro. I mean, like, we've basically, we've been seeing that, you know, for a really long time. So, you know, like, that's his challenge. And, you know, you start off where Sinestro's like this, you know, major villain. You know, and then, you know, bit by bit, you know, that, you know, the villain part gets chopped away and you see his motivations. And, I mean, you know, it's... I don't know. It's almost like I feel like at some point along the way, like maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Johns is definitely adding things to Sinestro's history, things that were never there originally, um, or that we never knew about. Um, so he's definitely, in a way, retconning, but doing it in a way that doesn't get rid of anything else. Um, and and by doing that, it makes Sinestro easier to redeem in the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that point, look at some of the more recent points we've we've uh, seen reconned in. Whereas uh, part of Sinestro's motivation was the death of at least one loved one, which is the core of Batman. And it's like, it's a death that he wasn't able to prevent even though he was right there. The only difference being that he was already the superhero when it happened, as opposed to being, like, a little kid. But, I mean, on, on the same line, you know, not not so much the Batman, Batman aspect, but they've also just retconned in that Sinestro, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, he ruled with an iron fist, but before that, his people were fighting a civil war killing each other and like there was no end in sight whereas you know it used to be that sinestro like he had all his power and he just like became an evil ruler 
you know, the the absolute power corrupted him and he took advantage of it. Well, now it's, you know, turns out that's completely not, you know, what, what happened. And, you know, the whole story is that he, you know, he was doing what he did because he didn't see any other way to keep his people from killing each other. So I mean, like when you when you when you're going to change the building blocks like that, it's a lot easier to redeem somebody whose motivation for ruling the planet was because you wanted to stop the civil war, as opposed to, oh well, I have all this power, you know, and I want people to start worshiping me. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely different. Well, and not for nothing, but the comparison to Batman continues in issue eleven of Green Lantern Corps. Yes. Uh, or of Green Lantern, rather. Um, so I'll just—I don't want to spoil anything, but it's very obvious when you get to it because, well, Hal makes the reference himself. Nice. <laughs> um, hey, Chad. But, uh, yeah. Chad, you were jobless for a while. Were you filled with rage and confusion, like Sinestro? Uh, rage and confusion at confusion at why someone of my age hadn't yet grown up when apparently I expected was expected to be by society. Rage at myself and blaming other people for my own shortcomings. Um, yeah, I guess I can identify with that. But not enough to but, stop a civil war. No. All right. But enough to try and get my ass in gear and grow up a little bit. I mean, I've I've always wanted to go to New York City, and you know, even though I'm slowly paying my way to do it, I'm I'm doing it this year. I mean, that's. And it's through the job I got and everything, and it's a job I enjoy. So I, it's 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 a motivator for sure to try and not put yourself in that situation again. Nice. But I, I think I think one of the things that um, uh, that he said in that email or that uh, that voicemail rather uh, it also ties into something we've been talking about for a while. Um, Dan, you said you didn't like that it that the Indigo Ring worked on Indigo One. Uh, you like the idea of it being something that was um, this constant possible storyline waiting in the background that if the ring or the rings or the lantern ever shut off that you had psychopathic murderers on the loose suddenly that you had to deal with. But at the same time, we did make the point that it seemed to only work on Indigo One, who's the one exposed to the ring the longest. And then we made the point about the Blue Lantern uh, rings having an effect on the um, Blue Beetle, but that it was attacking their home world, that same guy, but only after the second exposure. So these rings and these emotions have an effect after prolonged exposure of the various emotions and their, their capacities and everything. So it's cool that other people besides us, uh, like our listeners, are picking up on that as well. That Sinestro, Sinestro's long exposure to fear has, has, in in many ways, uh, and I guess in the eyes of the Guardians and a lot of Lantern Corps, made him a, a bigger villain. But who knows what the extended exposure to that emotion does for him in turn, in terms of making him a better Green Lantern. Yes, and like my constant fear is that, like, that if they open the door to being able to attribute too much to the prolonged exposure to the uh, the fear power, then that'll kind of dilute some of the complexity that makes Sinestro's character so interesting. 
But at the same, I mean, they could just as easily go with the parallax angle and say, well, he's been exposed so long that it doesn't affect him as much anymore. You know, like it's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I really enjoy Sinestro. The more twists and turns they take with him, the more interesting it is. And especially, like, I love seeing characters go down darker, questionable paths and have it just be a decision they made. Because whether they're good or bad, it doesn't even matter. Like, they, the more complicated and emotionally nebulous you make some of these decisions, the better the stories can be because that's the more complicated these characters are. Hmm. This is a good voicemail. <laughs> Very well thought out. Sure. <clears throat> All right. Which one? Which one? Maybe we should uh, take a moment to announce the winner of the uh, Tony Bedard contest. You do not have one. What? Do you have yes. one? Did you pick a winner? Yes. After 18 million years, you finally picked one? Really? It's only been a couple of months. Oh. Who is it? Go on, go on, go for uh, it. The winner is Andres Heredia. Sweet. So, Andres... Nope. I, you know, I, I can never... I, I have no idea if it's Andres or Andre, or if he prefers Andy, I'm not really sure. Um, but I know he's expecting a, a child as well, very soon. Um, now you see, the, the funny thing about that contest, about the side comics, we, we, have, we have an issue of Adventure Comics number 7, signed by Tony Bedard, but that was the only one that we actually had signed by Tony Bedard. Um, the other, the other comics that we actually have signed are uh, Flash Rebirth number one and uh, Green Lantern Rebirth number one, both signed by Ethan Van Skyver. Um, and those covers are actually they're like the uh, the reprint covers, so the colors are actually much cooler. Um, so yeah, so that uh, send us uh, your address. We will send you those signed comics. I actually have them. They're right next to me right now. They've been located. And they can be sent out. He's getting the Van Skyver ones, too. Yes, he is. And uh, I, uh, Lance Lance actually uh, is our runner-up. And uh, he will be receiving something as well, but it will not be comic-related, and he already knows what it is. Okay. Okay? <laughs> it's an action figure. Oh. Right. <laughs> is, is it the mystery one you're making for Chad? No. No. No, that's that's gonna be a while longer. I haven't had a lot of time for customs lately. Okay. Alright, which is the next one? May fifteenth. Hey Dan and Jim. This is Jesse from South Carolina again. I was just listening to your uh, episode um whatever number. The one where you talked about comic shop. I am after listening to you, I am so thankful for the comic shop that I have. Uh, it's about 20 minutes away, but it is well worth it. Uh, guy does it. He uh, does a pull list for me, but he's always got extra issues if I want to pick up something different. Um, and I just feel for you guys for not having a good local comic shop. 
And uh, I also just wanted to say I also love the Green Lantern TV show. Uh, I watch it with my kids. We all love it. And that's about all. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. You know, the, the two things that were awesome about that voicemail, um, it's awesome that he has a comic shop that great. And it's also awesome that he completely also disregarded Chad as a co-host once again. <laughs> Uh, God, I love it. <laughs> and, and and this is something I've never actually said on um, this show. You guys uh, talk about you know bad comic shop experiences here in Austin. There are uh, roughly four or five uh, comic shops. The one I go to closest to me is a little shop called Tribe Comics and Games, and Tribe. Um, is essentially a small store with some toys, lots of games, uh, a few, a good amount of trades, some manga, and recent issues. No back issues of any kind. So it's a smaller shop. That's where I get my stuff. Um, they don't charge me for previews uh, because they don't get charged for previews. They have a uh, variant cover lottery. So for the books that you subscribe to, um, if you know, every once in a while you'll have a variant that you get for a regular cover price, you know, just because you happen to be one of the people that gets that book. And they happen to have a variant, and they'll just throw it in there. If you don't want to buy it, they'll throw it to the next person. Um, so they're cool, and they're great guys to talk to. they got tables set up for you to sit around and hang out in the shop and talk. Um, and then there's a few other shops around town, one called Capstone, one called Dragon's Lair, um, uh, I think there's another one uh, called the Rogues Gallery, which is where I had the interview with Scott Scott Collins. Um, all roughly the same types of shops. Uh, Capstone has some back issues and lots of statues, like the statues for like $300 that you see in previews. Yeah, that stuff. Um, but the best shop is is, and this isn't discounting tribe or anything, but I mean I'm just talking about pure content. Is a, is a comic book store in Austin called Austin Books and Comics. Austin Books and Comics has three locations uh, for their stuff. One is a completely discounted comic book store full of back issues, trades that are half price, uh, dollar comics, uh, discounted toys, stuff like that, and that is called the Sidekick Store. The other is a place called Guzu Gallery. And Guzu Gallery is all that weird stuff that you see in previews that you're not quite sure where people buy anime-based stuff, um, you know, weirder kind of fringe comics, uh, very artsy kind of stuff, which is essentially why it's a gallery. They also showcase local artists here from Austin who have a very comic booky style. Um, and then the main store itself, which has magnets, statues, T-shirts, um, Archive editions, hardcovers, deluxe editions. They have back issues like crazy. They have uh, silver and golden age books priced in mylar bagged and boarded in the front. They have glasses and buttons and and uh, every toy that you can think of. They've they've got everything. This store has everything a comic fan could need. They've got art books. They've got posters. They've even got um, Marvel lamps with the lampshade and everything. They have all kinds of stuff it is the best it's it's mecca for comic geeks in austin i swear to god they have everything 
comic book related you need. They don't have it in the store, they'll get it for you. And they, they, it's a fantastic store. So I have not had the terrible experience that you guys have had because I have a place like Austin Books and Comics. And one day, if I'm able to convince the one of the store owners I know, Brandon, to let me bring a video camera in there, I will show you guys how awesome this place is. <clears throat> it is it is one it is one of the best stores I've ever been to, and I've been to places from other towns and other states and stuff. One of the best comic stores I've ever been to, and uh, I, I don't have a horror story. I mean, the only thing I can think of is a place called Juniors in Austin, and I will go ahead and call them out on the air. Juniors in Austin is a small hole in the wall shop where they have Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic tournaments. They don't keep up with their back issues. Everything's just kind of scattered on the wall and on the case, and that's really all they do. And I'm surprised it's still open, but it, it's still open because people come there to play games and maybe buy stuff occasionally. Hmm. That's it. Uh, and I, I never go there. There's no reason to ever go there. They don't even really do anything on free comic book day. But with a place like Austin Books and Comics, who gives a shit about a place like Junior's? It's hard to be upset when you have this fantastic store just a few miles away. Did Austin Books and Comics, um, did you go there for free comic book day? Uh, yes. Do they have, like, a girl that dresses up like a mascot, like superhero for the, the store? Danny Danger? I, I, I guess so. Uh, she's got, like, a blue costume and a red cape? That sounds about right. She's got, like, uh, curly red hair? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm always aware of the redheads. Yeah, that's Danny. Uh, she's really cool. She's a cool chick. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of people I know that I see all, a lot of times. I mean, they don't. I, I don't go to Austin Books and Comics as much as I want to because I would spend a shit ton of money if I did. So those guys don't really know me by name, but they've seen me a couple of times. You know, I, I come in there and I'll browse for hours. Um, I, I swear, one day if I don't have extra bills I need to pay off or Something on the wish list that I absolutely need to get, you know, like a new car or something like that. If I get a tax return, I'm just going to blow all of it at that store. <laughs> because there is, there. I, I'm serious. If I'm allowed to take a video camera in there one day, I will show you guys. It is so amazing. <laughs> Things like this are why you're never getting promoted. <laughs> oh, because I don't have to deal with the, the horrors of your... Of you your know, comic to be fair, yeah. to be fair, um, I there are two comic book stores that are both like like a half hour or so away from me that are very good. One of them is amazing. Like one of them is like it's fantastic. They don't have like they probably don't have quite as big a selection as the Austin place, but uh, I mean like you go in there, they regularly stock uh, lots of indie titles uh they always have you know extra copies of the marvel and dc books um they have art books manga anime statues figures um stuffed animals for kids uh, they have like a really nice kid section um and then there's a place in huntington uh, not that anybody else knows what huntington is um but I, you know I, i've been going there you know every once in a while also and you know like they have they have a nice selection also. Um, and what you call it, I was there like, uh, I was there a week and a half ago. And I'm looking around, and 
I picked up, uh, I don't know, I had, like, I had two, two issues, like Batman and something else. And, uh, usually, you know, if I'm in a comic book store and I know that I'm going to end up paying with a, a credit card, I like to have, like, a $10 minimum purchase. So, I'm, like, looking around, figuring, you know, thinking, okay, what, what am I going to pick to, uh, you know, to make, to make the $10? And I'm looking around, and I see that that Batman, um, the Earth One Batman. And I'm like looking at it, and I'm flipping through it, and the owner's, you know, he's standing there, he sees me, and uh, what you call it? Um, he had your number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm looking around, and I, you know, I walk away, and I go back, and I'm looking at it again, and he's like. He's like, hey, have you read the the Superman Earth one? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I you know, I, I love that. He's like, yeah. He's like, the the Batman Earth one is you know, he's it, it's just as good. He's like, originally I wasn't going to read it. He's like, but you know, a bunch of friends of mine were uh, were promoting it, and you know, I figured you know, let me check it out. He's like, it turned out it was amazing. He's like, I know. He's like, I just saw you you know glancing at it. So I'm like, yeah, no. I'm like, eventually I'll definitely pick it up. It's just that I don't know that I want to spend the, you know, $22, $23. So, he's like, well, we're having a sale next week. He's like, so, you know, it's like it'll be 25% off then. So, he's like, you know, if you want, if that'll, uh, you know, help help make your decision. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, if I'm in the area, definitely. So, I'm like looking around still, you know, looking at maybe another comic that I want to pick up. And then he's like, you know what? He's like, I'll just give you the discount today if you really want it. So I'm like, that's awesome. Definitely, yeah, that's the motivation I needed. Because, you know, I wanted to buy it and for a discount, definitely. So I do have good comic book stores around. It's just that, like, I don't, I'm not always near those stores. And, you know, I, I'm always looking for new comic book stores that might be opening up that are nearby, you know, closer, might have a better selection or a different selection. And that's how I come across these these horror stories. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of that story where Jason was in a shop eyeing the Justice League statues, and the guy was like, you know, they're they're not gonna make very many of these. Oh yeah, to go for it. <laughs> no, that's cool. We like around here. There's actually one. Uh, I'll say really good store. It's called the Record Store. They do like a mix of, like, comics, and also they carry, like, old records and CDs and stuff. So it's a big store. There's lots of space and a ton of stuff in there. <laughs> uh, pretty well organized, and it's, it's like, you you would love the, you would live there because it's, like, down the street from a Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my only complaint about them is, like, they're one of these stores that has every single new issue sealed up in bags on the shelf. If you want to page through anything, you have to take it to the counter and they'll take it out of the bag for you and you can page through it there at the counter and then, and like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> do that. It's, it's one of those things where like, like one of the huge selling points for shopping for comics in a store as opposed to online is you get to, you know, take a couple seconds and look through it and kind of make your decision. Cause I've, like, there are books I've been on the, like right on the line about and ended up just not getting because I couldn't flip through them. Yeah, well, even if you buy a comic online, <clears throat> uh, most of them have like a four-page preview or so. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it's yeah. That that's I mean, horrible. I don't, that is horrible. Wait, I mean, I don't know anything about the people that run it, so like, I don't know if it's just like, like a collector mentality on the part of the store owner or anything like that, or maybe they've had issues before with people, you know, ruining shelf copies of things. But I don't know. It's that's like the one black mark I would put on their report card, you know? Like, other than that, it's a really good store. I, I don't understand why stores like that don't at least keep one copy out as a reader copy. Yeah, like, have them all in bags except, like, the top exactly. one on the set. And uh, just for the listeners, I will post these pictures on the show thread, um, but I posted in uh, uh, Skype for the guys to take a look at. The first one is yeah. an Instagram picture I took the first, the first one is an Instagram picture I took when I was at Austin Books and Comics the other day. Um, just if you guys are looking there, there's a, as you can see, there's a Silver Surfer hanging from the ceiling. Those uh, back issues that you see there, that those shelves and, and drawers come up to my chest or a little higher. So underneath are pull-out drawers full of back issues. Um those uh you can barely make it out but the very top part of that photo to the left of silver surfer are those neon signs you sometimes see solicited oh yeah there's there's t-shirts on the wall (laughs) the books that are displayed in mylar bags on the top those are not necessarily old silver age issues but they're more like key issues and runs that are displayed really nicely and then the second picture is a continue is is basically the other part of that room you don't see um, uh, that I'm, I'm basically in this picture. I'm standing off to the far right of that, uh, the, the image you're seeing there, and all the stuff to, in the right of that picture is the rest of that back issue room. But oh, they you. also, and you can, no, that's not me. Uh, I'm talking about <laughs> like, I'm talking about over where where the the very far right of that image that room is. That's where I'm standing when I'm taking that first picture. Um, oh. But you can see Silver Surfer behind Hulk here. There's there's literally like an eight foot, nine foot tall statue of the Hulk standing <laughs> in front of the back issues of Austin Books and Comics. <laughs> nice. I mean, the the the, the place is, is laid out beautifully. I mean, look at that back issue room. That is all back issues, and they are all alphabetized, and in mylar bags. In alphabetical order. Yep. Shall we go to the next voicemail? Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't think Chad was losing his hair. Wow. <laughs> All right, next voicemail. Same day, a few minutes later. <laughs> Sweet. Hey, Dan and Jim, this is Jesse from South Carolina again. I just called and left a voice message, but realized I forgot to say something. I was just wondering, uh, Jim does commissions on his action figures. My daughter has designed a couple of lanterns of her own. Uh, one was her Halloween costume this year, and the other is uh, a female lantern, human lantern, that would exist in the Young Justice uh, universe. Uh, I'd love to hear if, if you do commissions, Jim, and it would probably make a great birthday present or Christmas present for my daughter if you do. Um, anyway, love the podcast. It's uh, always great listening to you guys, even when you ramble on for hours at a time. It's real good to listen to you. Bye. So, yeah, what about that, uh, Jim? Actually, I contacted him, like, uh, probably a day after we received that voicemail. Um, I 
conceivably do, um, but just not right now. Uh, way too busy to be doing any any commissions or anything like that. Um, but uh, no, I, I did talk to him about it, um, and uh, you know, if if I get to a point where I can start taking commissions, then uh, you know, I'll I'll be letting people know about it. You make a young Justice Lantern. I think John's going to try and snatch it out from under this guy. <laughs> John will be out of luck. So, what, June 11th now? Speaking of John. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Segway! <laughs> oh, God. Hey, guys, it's John. I just listened to episode 128. Um, I was going to mention about your guys' debate between uh, New Guardians and um, Guardians and Green Lantern Corps. Like, which one would stay? Um, uh, I think, like, you both have good points. Like, you're both right and you're both wrong, essentially. Uh, at least this is what I think. Um, you know, pretty much the only Green Lantern series that ever really sticks is Green Lantern. I mean, there's been great one of the Green Lantern Corps quarterly. Uh, you know, there's been Mosaic, you know, Doug Gardner. I kind of consider that tangentially a Green Lantern series. Um, and, you know, they're always either relegated to miniseries or they're just temporary or they just, you know, die. And, and it's, so, I mean, I think, you know, eventually, eventually the, the craze for Green Lantern is going I mean, you know, every, every hero rises and kind of falls in popularity. You know, I think eventually it's going to get down to just Green Lantern again. Um, but, like, I can see Jim's point, or which is, you know, New Guardians is a much better book. Um, but, like Dan said, though, it has no name recognition. You know, Green Lantern Corps has the name recognition. There's been other Green Lantern Corps books here and there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to end up being, like, Green Lantern or maybe Green Lantern core just just for the name recognition i don't think they're gonna even care about it selling because they can just put in the last new guardians they can put a huge thing there and be like you know check out green lantern core you know all the new guardian readers will go to green lantern core plus the readers that were just that were already hardcore green lantern fans that were reading core so you'll get uh, i think you'll get a little more bang um just just for the name recognition just because it's green lantern you know if somebody doesn't know comics they're going to get green lantern and green lantern core if they want to read green lantern they're not going to get green lantern and new guardians uh, unless they, you know, unless they look at the covers for two seconds, which half the people don't. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I want them to go back to, personally, Green Lantern, and I want Tales of the Core. If they have to get two books, I want a Green Lantern book, and I want Tales of the Core, because then they can do New Guardians, they can do Green Lantern Core stories, they can do single stories, they can do any color of the light spectrum. You can have all of them. Um, you know, they don't necessarily even have to be short stories, I mean, they don't single-issue single stories. They can be anthology books where, you know, this story arc will run through eight issues, this story arc will run through three issues, this one will be a one-shot, next issue it will be, you know, a two-parter. However they want to break it up, however they want to do it, I just, I would like to see the, uh, I want to see the tales. And I, I love seeing all the other colors, and I agree, whichever book they end up keeping, they need to keep the other court in it because that's a huge deal right now on a big seller. You know what would be a great idea? Okay, thanks, guys. Later. It would be a great idea if you kept Green Lantern, and I agree with his anthology thing. I, I think you should get at some point. At some point, these stories have to end, and then 
And and we can't keep going forever with with four Green Lantern related titles. We all know that. There's no way we can continue this for any lengthy sustained amount of time. But I think if you kept the core Green Lantern title and then like he said have a Tales of the Core book but not necessarily See, at first I was thinking you should do it kind of like they're doing the um uh DC the new DC Comics presents a uh, series um yeah. that started off with Dead Man. At first I thought that, but then I was like, well, if people don't like the first, you know, three-issue arc of that, they'll forget it's around and then forget to pick up the next issue arc when it comes around. So what I was thinking is, and I was just looking at the stuff I have ready to, you know, go through and sort through for, for eventual binds, what if they did a Green Lantern title, and then the only other title Green Lantern related was like a double-sized, uh, you know, once-a-month Action Comics Weekly type of book? Where you got like three or four stories, but not the full story, just a part of each storyline. For the, let's say, you know, someone has a great idea they want to tell about a Blue Lantern, and then someone else has a great idea they want to tell about the history of Larfleet, <laughs> and then something else. And you got the first part of each of those stories in Tales of the Core Weekly number one. And then the next part of those stories in Tales of the Core Weekly number two. Okay. Mm, <laughs> I. I feel like that would suffer because, like, we've. I feel like we're we always see instances of contemporary comic writers who are so used to writing for a specific length that when they try and do shorter stories, it ends up suffering just because they're not used to doing something that compressed or breaking it up in that specific way. So, I mean, I would love to see any form of an anthology, but at the same time unless it's something special or tying into event an event or just like a one-time thing anthologies just they don't sell anymore what you call it here's here here's the, the the flaw with john's logic on this one superman superman throughout the late 90s and early 2000s there were like there were four Superman titles that all revolved around Superman. I mean, that's not even, you know, taking into account Superboy. That's not even taking into account Supergirl. Um, and and any other, you know, miniseries or anything else like that that happened to be, you know, coinciding that month. Steel, you know, none of that. That was all secondary. There were four... What was it? What, what was it? Action Comics, Man of Steel, Superman, and... Man of Tomorrow? Adventure? Adventure, yeah. Man of Tomorrow was a fifth week comic. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, okay. you had, like, yeah, four comics and a fifth week comic. You had so many comics that were all telling stories out about one character. And same thing with Batman. And, you know, like, you have Detective, you have Batman, you had The Dark Knight, you had... I, I, I don't... I don't I don't even have any idea how many titles of Batman there were, and constant Batman miniseries. So they've already displayed that one character can carry multiple series for you know significant lengths of time. Mm. Now you're talking about Green Lantern, and by the way, like New Guardians is actually solicited solicited as Green Lantern, you know, New Guardians. So Green Lantern is in the title. Um, 
the only one that suffers from any lack of name recognition would be Red Lanterns, but Red Lanterns themselves have name recognition now because of their prominence in Dark and Blackest Night and you know and Green Lantern and everything else. So you have four books right now that are telling stories about four completely different things. It's not like you have four Green Lantern books that are all telling stories about Hal Jordan. Um, and, you know, as we've even talked about on the show numerous times, each comic is like a completely completely different genre. You, know, you have, like, the space cop, you have the war story, you have, like, the, the horror book, and then you have, like, this, this team book with this really weird dynamic. I mean, you know, each book is completely diverse. So, I mean, they're not, they're not honing in on each other's territory. Um, you know, like, back in the 90s for Green Lantern, you had the Green Lantern title, you had the Guy Gardner series, which lasted 29, was it, actually it lasted for 30 issues, because there was a zero issue in there. Um, you had, uh, the, uh, the Dark Stars, you had Mosaic, and you had the Green Lantern Quarterly. And Green Lantern Quarterly, you know, for one thing, it was a, an anthology book, and second of all, it was a quarterly book, so it had no momentum. Um, it had no momentum. The The Dark Stars was like a... That was a bad spin-off, you know, in and of itself. And the Guy Gardner series ended up getting canned because they took away his Green Lantern ties, you know, and the warrior ties were not strong enough to carry the book. Um, so, I mean, you know, basically, from what we can look at, is that when Guy Gardner was a Green Lantern book, you know, or a Yellow Lantern book, you know, he was doing fine. It's when they stopped making it a, a Lantern book, that's when it failed. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, historically, like, we've, and the other thing is, like, we're, we've never been in a, a period where Green Lantern has had this much prominence in the DC universe. It, we just, you know, Blackest Night is still a very recent event, and it's the, it's actually the most popular event out of the, like, the last couple. So... Green Lantern has so much prominence right now, you can't tell me that Green Lantern's momentum is slowing down anytime soon. Now, I mean, Red Lanterns, um, I can see that one possibly suffering, but because of the writing um, and the lack of direction, the lack of a clear direction since the beginning. Um, but I mean, that, that book has potential. That book definitely has potential. And even if you got rid of Red Lanterns, you could bring in a Tales of the Core book. And I think that would fly now. I think if you did a monthly Tales of the Core book, people would be buying it. Well, I agree with you in... I, look, I, I agree with everything you said. Like, I very openly agree that... I've said it before myself, that of all of the the <clears throat> the comic franchises out there that deserve to have multiple ongoing series, like this is the one that's tailor made for it. Because like right now we have 
four books that you said are completely different, telling completely different stories, all using completely different characters. So it's, it's like, <clears throat> you don't have any of the mess of putting, you know, Wolverine in 18 books or Spider-Man having 27 monthly titles. But I think, I, I mean, like, I think the comparison to Superman is completely flawed. Because, like, Superman and Batman support so many books because Superman and Batman are two of the most globally famous fictional characters of all time. Like, That's true. A, a Superman book is going to sell because it's a Superman book. Like, like Chad could be writing it and you could be drawing it. <laughs> Superman is going to sell. Like, I just looked up the Diamond Top 100 for last month. Superman number 10 is number 29. Uh, Green Lantern Corps is number 41, and New Guardians is 42. Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I blatantly agree that both of those books are head and shoulders above Superman in terms of quality, but it's Superman. Like, he, like and <clears throat> yeah, Green Lantern these days is more, is more known to the general populace than it ever was. That, I mean, <clears throat> and that, frankly, that's probably what's kept all four of these books going. That and the fact that, you know, Jeff Johns is kind of running a lot of stuff at DC and he has, like, a big four-way crossover in mind for uh, the coming months. But, I mean, I I, def I also agree with John that eventually this line is going to collapse back down. And this, there will be a time where, yeah, we just have one or two Green Lantern books going forward. I don't, I don't think so. I think... I think from here on out for the for for the next several years I think that we will have four lantern books and I think there's going to be some kind of like there's probably some kind of lantern mandate where if a lantern book is going to get canceled they're going to put out another lantern book because of the fact that even if it's complete crap they know that if you put out a new Green Lantern book, or, you know, or some kind of Lantern book, people are going to check it out for the first story arc, regardless. Now, if it completely peters out, that's fine. But they can definitely bank on initial numbers for a new Green Lantern book, and based on that, like you can keep on putting out twelve issues of you know, a Green Lantern series and just keep on putting out new series. You know, they, if if Red Lanterns fails, you know, they can put out a Blue Lantern series and say, okay, well, you know, we're going to have the Blue Lanterns starting over from scratch and this is going to be their story. And, you know, people will be like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see what they have planned. People, everybody's on board for the first arc and if it does good, it continues. And if they put Milligan on, <laughs> on that one also, then it could come you know, turn out like crap again. And so they cancel that, and then they put somebody else, you know, on a Sinestro Corps book, whatever. You know, it, you can keep on changing it or spin off Jon Stewart into his own comic book or Guy Gardner into his own comic book. I mean, like, you can move things around. You can give Sinestro his own comic book, and people would buy that. But eventually, if you do that method, you're going to dilute the line. They've been diluting... And, and They've been diluting other lines for decades. Look at Wolverine. And we're not even talking yeah. about taking the same character. We're taking the same family of characters. 
But we're talking, I, we're talking, we're talking characters like Dan said a second ago that have, are, I mean, I'm only saying it because the book is right in front of me, so chill. But that are basically super gods. I mean, th- we're talking Superman, Batman. We're talking are, are the examples you're throwing at Superman, Batman, Wolverine. These are the characters that have been like the mainstays of their respective. Um, their respective uh, publishing companies for years and years. I mean, as much as we're fans of Green Lantern, it's never been the mainstay, and it's just now coming to that popularity. Now, granted, everything that can come into popularity can get over-diluted, but it depends on the market at the time. I Becoming a popular character in the 90s or in the 80s was one thing. Becoming a popular character in nowadays market and then having... <laughs> them dilute the line now, I don't think it would work the same way it did back then. Well, I mean, okay, so what you're saying is, looking at all the previous evidence and and seeing how, how it all happened then, you think that now, based on no evidence, that it can't happen again. I'm not saying it can't. I'm thinking we have to account for the way the market has changed. But, you know, you're also forgetting the fact that, you know... I mean, think think about events. Think about events back then. People, I mean, obviously now events are a big deal, but there have been so many events lately that, at least in among the comic fans, we're sick of them now. We're, I mean, we're, we're essentially, I mean, yeah, we're occasionally, there'll pop, be one that pops up that we're like, oh, cool. But by and large, the main opinion seems to be, oh my god, not another one. Please God, not another one. And but by the same token, people are buying events more now than ever before. In fact, what you call it? Uh, something like Blackest Night got you know the, got a reception so much greater than most of the events back in like the nineties. I mean, like you, you had like the things going through. You had things going through the annuals like uh, the. The ghost stories, you had JL Ape. I mean, you know, like, these these were the events that you had back then, which nobody cared about, <laughs> as opposed to Blackest Night, which everybody, you know, was, was buying into. So yeah. they're, like, they're creating a lightning rod to, you know, to charge people up and to bring these people into into view like like never before. So if, if ever there was a time to to jumpstart the popularity of a character. I, I mean, like, you know, how many people are, you know, clamoring for, for Rage Kitty when they go to a DC panel? A Rage Kitty versus Crypto fight. You know, I mean, like, like these are the things that they've been creating. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought Blackest Night because, I mean, I, I honestly, I think it's probably too late. Because like there was a there was a span of a couple of years where Green Lantern was very firmly you know the center of the DC universe like ever like Sinestro War caught everybody's attention took the world by storm Blackest Night came around all of a sudden all everything DC did was revolving around Green Lantern it was fantastic we are very blatantly past that point now like the Green Lantern books are. You know, for the they're spotty sometimes, but for the most part, they're really good, and I am happy with that. But at the same time, they're very clearly off on their own, doing their own thing. There's a reason for that. And 
Okay. The and like I, no, go ahead. So the reason that that's because you know that the way that is is because right now, like they've created enough buzz around Green Lantern where it doesn't need to be at the forefront now, and now they're focusing on other things. And you know they're doing this, the third army, and then the next storyline after that, and the next storyline after that could be the one that brings focus on Green Lantern because now they realize the potential that they have for Green Lantern, they're not going to just say, okay, well, let's completely take all the spotlight off Green Lantern and forget about it forever. They're going, it's like, it's like the, the spinning plate trick. You have to keep all the plates spinning, you know, at the same time. And Green Lantern is, is off spinning, you know, no problems right now. So, you know, they're telling their stories. The, bo the books are doing good, good numbers. Let them keep doing the stories, and plus, we're getting a you know not quite event event that's going to you know get people buying other issues. So that in and of itself is going to work towards the numbers. But I mean, yeah, well, but but like the the event, like look, look, I would love it if the third army or whatever the hell happens after that is the next Sinestro Corps War, you know, like the next story where it's just a story arc in the Green Lantern thing, but it ends up being fantastic and everybody reads it whether they read Green Lantern or not. I'm not holding my breath, though, but if it happens, um, that would be fantastic. I would love it. I think as it is, the Third Army and whatever the Third Army leads into is going to be remarkably simple for people who don't already read Green Lantern to just skip over because it's just a Green Lantern crossover. I don't think I like like I'm not going into it thinking of it as an event. I and you know the whole the, you know your plate spinning thing. Yeah, like you know eventually one of those plates is going to fall. And which do you think they're going to care more about keeping spinning? Their Superman plate, their Batman plate, or their Green Lantern plate? You know, it had its its time in the sun to be like DC's flagship book, character, franchise, whatever. And now it's back off doing its own thing. And I and you know, I, I don't think we can afford to ignore the fact that you know the the big other media push, which was the live action movie, doesn't matter how you look at it, it underperformed a a lot. So they're let, they don't have as much motivation right now to push Green Lantern to the forefront anymore. I mean, Avengers was one of the most profitable movies in all of history. And, and Marvel, like, has still, like, they're still going strong with as much Avengers stuff as they possibly can because they have a really strong wave to ride. And I hope you appreciate that incidental wave rider reference. That's for you. But, like, Green Lantern, you know, that, after that didn't do nearly what it needed to do from a financial standpoint, you know, they, yeah, it's still popular enough to keep four series going, but you know what? When, not even if, when Red Lanterns gets canceled, is that going to get replaced with a new Lantern book? I don't see it. Absolutely. Oh, I don't, I don't well, see it. Unless something comes along so like like again like unless like this return of black hand thing cuz look they want to do Sinestro Core War again that's why they're having that that black hand annual issue whatever that has like the same creative team as the Sinestro Core War special number 1 and like that's why they're they're playing this the way they are if they can bring 
that kind of attention back to it again, then okay, maybe they'll be able to do what you're saying, but I don't think that's really going to work out because I think that's what they wanted to have happen with War of the Green Lanterns, too, and that blatantly fizzled out and didn't do anything. If anything, that put more people off from possibly reading this next Green Lantern event. What you call it? The, the thing about the plates, like, the, the, the aspect of Superman and Batman, they barely need to work at all to keep those going because like you said those books are just going to sell based on name recognition alone now right now like you can I don't know if you, you've been watching but like DC is they're building like they're building sections in, in their universe like they have their Teen Titans they're building like the Young Justice section with the Ravagers they have their, you know, their dark section and their, um, oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah, their sections. They're very, they wanted to make getting into their comics as easy as possible with the New 52, so they let everything just kind of do its own thing, and they're slowly rebuilding the interconnectivity. The, the Green Lantern section is, is 100% one of their higher priorities right now, and I think it's, like, Green Lantern, like, they've, they've tried pushing Wonder Woman forever. And, you know, like right now it's, it's doing good and Aquaman is doing good and everybody in the JLA is doing very good, but Green Lantern is the only property out of them, you know, aside from Batman and Superman that has franchise, you know, popularity that they can create multiple books. And that's why I think that they're going to maintain the four, four books yeah, but that's that's <clears throat> you're not taking into account the fact that if it starts losing popularity to the point that they can't maintain four books, they, like you're assuming that they're just gonna say, "Well, I guess we better launch another book." No, wh- why? Like, why would they say? Why would they say, "Okay, this"? Like, we have four Lantern books. One of them is telling so poorly that we have to cancel it, and you know what? This other one isn't looking that great either. It probably has another six months to live. Why would they turn around and launch a brand new one instead of cutting their losses? Because I think, and well, I think DC thinks that there's money in Green Lantern. Yeah, of course there's money in Green Lantern. That's why they've been publishing Green Lantern in some fashion for since the forties. I think there's no. I mean, I think that there's a lot more potential now. Look, I mean, like, I think the, the whole thing is... There's a lot more... There's, much, we're, 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 there's more money in... There's more money in Jeff Johns and Green Lantern, not Green Lantern. Like, there was more money in Green Lantern back before the movie came out than there is right now. Yes. Yeah, but we didn't have a Green, the We movie, didn't have a Red Lantern book then. So? Now they have a Red Lantern book that's hit... It's going to hit 12 issues. And it's going to keep going beyond that. Yeah, for for a big question mark number of months before it goes well, away. Okay, we don't really debate the quality of Red Lanterns, correct? We, we both, we, we, we all kind of think that it's... We both. <laughs> like, I'm not here again. <laughs> Chad, go back to your closet. <laughs> I mean, like, we, we all pretty much consider that the benchmark for low quality in a Lantern comic. Uh, yes. Yes. For the most part. It's, okay, unanimously, we think that's 
the least. That's our least favorite. Yes. It's lasted. And, and it's lasted twelve sorry. issues. It, you, the worst one has lasted twelve issues. We're still buying it. There's pl- tons of people still buying it, and that's the worst one. Like yeah, but if they weren't actively working towards a big crossover between all four books. A crossover that's being written by one of the guys in charge of the comic line right now. Do you think this book would have lasted 12 issues? No, but I think they would have absolutely re- re- replaced it with some other Lantern book. You guys are arguing in circles now. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah look, I am I absolutely refuse to look at this from a fanboy perspective. It's like, it's Green Lantern's popular overall popularity is... On, I think, going to be gradually declining and has been since the movie came out. Whether that's limited to just the general populace who may not have even read the comics before, or just to comic readers who don't usually read Green Lantern and would have otherwise tried it out. I don't, like, I think it's going, the audience is going to distill back down to that core group who, like us, just flat out likes Green Lantern and wants to read Green Lantern books. I think everyone else is going to go back to where they were. And but damn you, John, for starting all of this. Um, <laughs> well, it was the last voicemail, because now we're caught up. Really? Yay! That was the last Yep, oh. the, next one, the next one is from Lance about the Alan Scott thing, which he played last episode. Great. Um, yeah, what you call it? The, the one last thing. Oh, God, you just got to get it in there, don't you? Well... The one thing that we didn't bring up during that entire debate was the fact that there's still a very popular Green Lantern cartoon going and a comic book based on that cartoon. So there's actually five Green Lantern books going right now. Yeah, and how many people do you think buy and read the animated series comic? I don't even talk about it on the Larfley's report. I mean, look, I've been getting every issue because eventually I'm going to make us do an episode about it, but... That, but like that, like talk about super niche, you know, like most like I would go so far. I'm going to generalize and say at least half of comic re- the comic reading public could not give a shit or take seriously the books based on cartoons, regardless of their quality. So that's like every now and then, like there'll be somebody like me who's like, oh, we should get we should read that and somebody who gets it for their kids or something and maybe maybe some like hardcore collectors who just wants to have everything that says green lantern on the front of it but you know that's i don't even think you can count that book in this this discussion <clears throat> I, i'm actually curious just to know what the uh, numbers are for that uh, i wonder if it's on here oh no <laughs> no it's not on the list it's, it's not, not on, on the, the top hundred no, but <laughs> since we're already on the subject, I'll just go ahead and shave some p- a piece off of the Larfrey support. From bottom to top, Red Lantern's number 10 comes in at number 55. Green Lantern New Guardians, as Dan mentioned, number 10. And Green Lantern Core number 10 uh, are 42 and 41, uh, respectively. Earth 2, number 2, since that'll basically become a Green Lantern book on an alternate Earth, pretty Ooh. much, for a little bit. Uh, that's in at number 19. And Green Lantern number 10 came in at number 14. Nice. So San Diego Comic-Con happened a little while ago. There wasn't a tremendous amount of Green Lantern-related stuff, 
but some some topics to get touched on. So you know we can just run that down right here, and I want to hear what you guys think of some of this stuff. Uh, this is from some DC pa- all-encompassing panel. I forget what it was called. Doesn't matter. Uh, Jeff Johns was asked, you know, who's the guy with the gun? Who's like the new Green Lantern that's going to be showing up? Um, and he's basically said, when this character first runs into the Justice League, they're going to be asking him the same question and why he carries a gun. And the, that Lantern is going to reply, these rings run out of juice, don't they? This is my backup. Like, what do you think about that? A Green Lantern who doesn't really have faith or full confidence in the ring itself, that he wants to have, like, a plan B. You know, actually, you know, like, when you state it like that, like, he doesn't have confidence in the ring, one would wonder how he's able to use it. Because, I mean, like, you have to... You have to put your willpower into the ring. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like having confidence, you know, in the weapon is part of one of the things that gives it strength. Yeah, but there's there's different degrees of it. I mean, it doesn't say that he he doesn't believe it'll work. It just says that he's uneasy about the fact that it runs on a finite amount of energy. I don't know, Dan. You want me to say that I think he sounds like an asshole? <laughs> oh, it finally comes out. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm definitely reserving judgment on this guy. Um, oh, yeah. Did you see the double page spread of uh, Green Lantern number 11? No. I saw something having to do with it. Anyway. (laughs) Speaking of things Dan can't talk about. (laughs) God. Yeah, Chad. (laughs) So Jeff John says that the Third Army's rationale is that the Guardians realize that emotion and fear aren't the problem for universal strife. It's free will. Which is something I assume Jim is happy to hear. Yeah, that pesky free will. <laughs> Next we can solve world peace. Take care of world peace. But no, didn't you, weren't you the one running around, running in circles, out in the streets, screaming at the top of your lungs to the heavens that maybe the Guardians are going to be playing with people's brains this time around? Oh, yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I posted it on forum um i definitely posted on the forum as far as when you look at the third army like one of the the things that jumped out at me and this was like the promo art that they put out for the whole war was it the third army storyline the the thing that jumped out is the fact that they don't have mouths so they can't talk back and their brains are exposed which would seem to imply that the guardians could you know, change them and input whatever they want whenever they whenever they want because of the fact that they're open like that. So it's almost like, you know, it's the perfect army 
for following your every order, and they're not going to question any of your orders. They're just going to do exactly what you tell them to do. Um, but uh, the, yeah, the other thing, well, the other thing that I thought was that what we're looking at is the Green Lantern core just modified, uh, a la the OMAC project from a few years ago. Do you think they'll still have rings? Do you think the Guardians are going to abandon that? Um, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it at all. Hmm. What do you think, Chad? About what? Thanks, Chad. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Tony Bedard says that he's been trying to give each core their moment. Uh, By issue 12, and this is him talking... You'll learn why all those rings came to Kyle in the first place, which is a, I believe is a scoop we had. Yes. Uh, issue zero, we're going to have more first-string lanterns like Atrocis, Larflees, and Carol Ferris. Uh, Bizarre said that Kyle, this is the interesting bit, Kyle will begin to learn to master the other colors on the emotional spectrum. Um he, Bedard likens it to a kung fu movie where the newbie has to learn five different styles of martial arts from different masters. <laughs> um, rage and avarice and the darker emotions will be tough for Kyle to unleash, and he needs everything to take on the third army. Nice. <clears throat> so they're, probably, they're going to be playing... Chad! 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 Over here! Chad! <laughs> they're going to be playing with the different colors and how they interact with stuff. Woohoo! Yeah! I should probably keep it down. It's probably being too loud. <laughs> um, someone asked, someone wisely asked about Sodom Yat, and John said he'll be back next year. So look for, I guess, 2013 for him to pop up in one of the books. I'll say likely Green Lantern Corps. 2013, year of Sodom Yat. Yeah. There's that one. Uh, t- touching on a couple other characters who've been touched by lanterns in a non-creepy way. Uh, somebody asked if Barry Allen will revisit his role as a Blue Lantern, and will Blue Beetle, who was just a new Guardians, will he join the Teen Titans since he was in? Uh, he's on the team in Young, the Young Justice cartoon. Um, Brian Buccellato said uh, no Blue in Barry's future, and Tony Bedard said there's no. Titans for Jaime Reyes, but he'll be going on some big adventure coming soon. And uh, when asked about Lobo's Red Ring back from uh, you know the pre-relaunch Green Lantern title and also Rebels, um, Bedard, uh, Bedard said it probably won't be addressed, and he's you know he regrets that. Sadness. <clears throat> uh, touching on something that we talked about, I believe last week, in the Alan Scott dealy. Uh, will we see the red and the green in Earth 2? James Robinson said it won't be called the red, but these things do tie together, uh, especially with the introduction of Wildcat. Ah, uh, yes, I got it. <laughs> I called that. You I called that. You don't, you don't even know. What? <laughs> they could they could be throwing a curveball. They they just they just said. They always say things. It doesn't mean they follow through on all of them. Speaking of which, the Dexter Valentine special is coming, everybody. John says he's just just waiting for Crypto to come back so they can hang. Horseshit. (laughs) 
Also featured in that comic, the Orange Lantern Oath. That should be like if they have if they put out an issue that has both of those things. If it's the Dex, if it's the Rage Kitty Valentine issue and the fight with Crypto and the Orange Lantern Oath, we have to end the show. That has to be our last episode because everything we've ever wanted in life will have come to fruition in that comic. You heard it, folks. Dan Kurtzke's last episode. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I've been looking for an out. Don't you disappoint me, Johns. Uh, so that was basically all the Green Lantern stuff from San Diego. Um, also, the exclusive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about that, because you love this. Well, they yeah they came out with a line of Green Lantern figures. They are three and three-quarter inch scale. Uh, they're made by, well, it was formerly DC Direct. Now it's DC Collectibles. You can only buy them at conventions. They're um, being, uh, I guess the sales portion is being taken care of through graffiti, uh, which they've been the distributors at cons for most of DC Direct's uh, prior con exclusives. Uh, This particular, the San Diego Comic Con that just passed, the exclusive was Kyle Rayner along with Kilowog. It was a two-pack. It was available for $25.00. I don't know if they sold out of everything. I haven't I haven't heard any word on that. Um, from what I from what I've heard, um, they the figures came out really nice. Uh, they also had the rest of the figures from this line on display, uh, along with a uh, like a display base, which they say they could possibly make in the future. Um, God. Well, I mean, basically, they'd be selling it like a statue or a battery or something like that. But, uh... Yeah, what you call it? They had... There were tons tons of these figures. They had, uh... Bleas, they had Atrocitus, Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, Guy Gardner, Larflees, um... You also had, uh... The lizard... Guy that I can... Is... Isamot? Isamot. You had, uh... The chick... That Kyle was into for a while. Seriously? Ceranic. You do a Green Lantern pot. Ceranic Natu. Um, hey, what planet um, is Sinestro from again? Corrigar. There you go, you got that it. That I remember. Ceranic <laughs> um, kind of went out with a whimper. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, never mind, I'm not going to make that joke. Um, oh my god. There are tons of these uh, exclusives that uh, Jim is talking about on eBay right now, uh, going from between, let's say, twenty-seven bucks to fifty bucks. Twenty-seven, not so. No. Uh, what do you call it? They're going. They're supposed to have a different, um, a different set available at uh, at each con that they go to. Uh, I think the next one will probably either be what is it? Uh, is it Dragon Con or? Heroes coming up next. Right. Heroes is already passed. Heroes. Okay, so then it's probably Dragon Con. I don't know if they're going to Dragon Con, but if they are, I don't think they do exclusives like that for Dragon Con. I, I don't know. Yes. Uh, then otherwise, then it's probably going to be New York Comic Con. And please God, let that set be Blaze and Atrocities. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Well, now, didn't both of you hate? everything about this when it first first came out. I hated that it was exclusive to San Diego. Yeah, well, I mean, 
I wish that it hadn't been because I think the figures look really nice and at that scale, I mean, you know, that's a fantastic scale. Um, although I, I wouldn't doubt that extras will be available at future cons. Like, I, I wouldn't put it past them to keep these figures in production to have some at future cons as well. Hmm. I, you can still go on the graffiti design booth, uh, graffiti design website, and pick up uh, the the rings, the light up rings that they had exclusive to New York Comic Con a few years ago. <clears throat> what about the um, the multicolored Hal Jordans though? Those were a specifically limited number. Things that are of a limited number like that, they once they sell out, they're done. Now. A lot of times, like the all the multicolored house sold out immediately, so there were none left over afterwards. But the oh. white Sinestro and black Hal Jordan were both available on the Graffiti Designs website after after the uh, conventions that they were at, which I believe was Chicago, a C two E two. And speaking of the multicolored house, I'm looking on, and, and by the time this episode goes out, it'll be inconsequential, but right now, if you've got money to spend, uh, every single one of the multicolored houses is on eBay right now with an hour, uh, almost two hours left, and they're only like 53 bucks. Each? Or? Oh, well, I mean, th- there's no buy it now price, so it's the bid. Uh, there's, it, there's a bidding war, but there's a blue one, a yellow one, an <coughs> uh, orange one, a red one, and two green ones. I meant by like as a set or individually. Individually. Okay. Yeah, and I've never seen them this low, um, so it sucks that I don't have a job right now. But uh, I mean, not, not what? that. Not, no, 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 not that. I, it's it's it sucks that my paycheck. <laughs> God. Right <laughs> what the hell? What? Wait, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. wait. Where are you looking? How much did you see them for? I'm on eBay right, right. now. And I typed in. Uh, my search was SDCC Green Lantern. Okay. And you found... Okay, what... Just say what you found again, because... The, 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 the multicolored house. Right. Uh, one's got an hour and 39... They're all from the same seller, I'm guessing. Uh, the red one is up to 56 bucks. The orange one is up to 53 Yellow is up to 61 Blue is up to 66 All with about an hour and a half left in the bidding process. God, I want that blue one so bad. Oh my god. Yeah, that that blue one, there's no way that's ending for less than a hundred bucks. I want that blue one so freaking bad. Out of the ones that I don't have, blue would probably be the, uh, more desirable. Actually, no. I'd, I'd have to go with yellow. I would have to go with yellow. Yeah. If I were to, if I were to get only one, it's either blue or yellow. I mean, orange, yeah, cool. Red, yeah, cool. Oh. But I mean, just. Oh no. I mean, like, if I didn't have any, red would absolutely be the top of my list. It's it's such a cool. It's it's my favorite action figure, hands down. It's such an amazing looking action figure. It's past Green Lantern Batman. Yes. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. Let's not say things we can't take back. Yeah, actually, <laughs> oddly enough, I don't have very many things on display yet, but in my display case, on the top shelf, right next to each other, is Red Lantern Hal Jordan in you know in his package right next to Green Lantern Batman. Hmm. The two of them are the pinnacle of my collection, with Orange Lantern Hal, you know, um, right behind them. But I mean, like, yeah, no, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be Red. But like I said... <laughs> Orange Lantern Hal should have a shelf to himself. <laughs> I keep him on the shelf with uh, Orange Lantern Lex and uh, Larvelys. Huh, awesome. Uh, but yeah, so... This... I don't know how closely you guys were following coverage or anything, but, like, did you feel like there was really anything interesting or cool or noteworthy coming out of San Diego this year? Comic-related? No, it seemed like it was all entertainment-related. Yeah, like, I felt like this was, like, a really underwhelming year. Like, there was... And maybe that's because, like, all DC really had to talk about was, you know, the Zero Month, which we already... I had already pre-ordered my copies of what I was getting before this convention came around, and Marvel, for some godforsaken reason, announced Marvel Now, or whatever that initiative is, like, a month before San Diego. So, like, nobody... Like, as far as comics go, like, yeah, there was, there was the usual crop of, like, of uh, indie stuff, that, I don't know, nothing really rose to the surface for for me. Nothing really made me scratch my head and say, why are they bothering with this? But, like, it was a very, like, kind of ho-hum kind of convention this year. Uh, However... <laughs> okay. No, you go ahead, you go ahead. Well, no, I mean, like, the, uh, the action figure, you know, news that was coming out was, was pretty interesting. Like, you know, for instance, the Green Lantern three and three quarter inch line. Like getting to see that display with all those figures was really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, and like there, there was a bunch of other you know figure news coming out. Like the the Marvel Legends are coming back, um, which they came back, but they're actually going to be coming back with uh, the Build a Figure wave very soon. And uh, the next the next wave that comes out, which will actually have the first build a figure is going to have hit monkey <laughs> it's going to be the first ever um mini build a figure so it's going to be regular size well, it's going to be like a small little monkey but uh after that it's going to be like this giant iron man build a figure um the way that okay. comes out. Um, and i mean like and the uh like the stuff coming from mattel you know that that stuff looks pretty good um you know, I, I like I like to look at the new He-Man stuff that they have planned, and they have some cool stuff planned from that. I mean, basically, it was oh oh yes. What what? <laughs> uh, the the one thing that I thought was pretty cool was um, the DC Universe figures, the ones that I complain are entirely hey. overpriced. Yeah, you hate them. Oh, I lo I love the sculpts. I just hate the price. Um, they've announced that uh, there's this three, well, four things that I guess we would be interested in. Um, one, they're coming out with uh, platinum and tin 
as uh, one figure, and then also lead, so people will be able to complete their Metal Men series of action figures. Oh, all right. I thought you were saying they were going to make figures out of these metals. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, hey, hear that, John? They're making Metal Men toys. Yeah, yeah. The only one that they haven't uh, announced is Copper, but she's kind of like a newcomer. Yeah, she's she showed up. I think in that story we had to read for Blackest Night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, they're coming out with uh, was it Elastigirl? Um, the uh, the growing chick from Doom Patrol, so Doom that Patrol? people yeah, yeah people will be able to build their Doom Patrol. Um, that Larflees, that horrendous-looking Larflees figure that they've showed off previously is coming out this year. Nice. And Chad would be excited to hear that they're coming out with a Phantom Stranger figure. Yes, they are. Oh, and a St. Walker figure <laughs> while we're at it. How did all of them get top billing over St. Walker? <laughs> he wasn't in the main set of pictures that I was looking at. Oh, all right. Do they do that a lot where they'll just, like, Fill in gaps in teams they've released other characters for. No, just I think huh. they're doing it this time to just gauge interest in the way of going forward. I think they're trying to get some of these figures out so that people can complete their teams before mm. the line is dead. Nice. And speaking of stuff coming out. Oh wait wait wait! Before we jump to that. Oh, it was there... a perfect segue. Yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? <laughs> The, uh, the, there was one thing out of San Diego that got me excited, and it was Marvel movie stuff. And like, look, we knew oh. Iron. <laughs> we know where he's going with this. <laughs> there, well, we knew there was Iron Man three coming. Awesome. We got confirmation that Captain America two is going to be the Winter Soldier arc from Brubaker's run. Awesome surprise. Thor two. Don't have any fucking clue what that's going to be, but I'm probably going to love it. They are they are adding two newcomers to this franchise to this Marvel movie lineup. First, the one you're less surprised and happy about. The oh god, wait, I don't know which one of those you think that is. Man, are are you serious? No, I love... no, don't do that. Come on, you jackass. He's most excited about Ant Man, and you know I it. love Ant Man. That whole I love that whole family of characters. Ant Man is amazing. Wait, did they announce which <laughs> Ant Man they're doing? They have not. I assume it's going to be Hank Pym. You love Hank but, Pym, Ant <clears throat> I look. I just in general, like I just I just ugh. look. I'll say this: I have not read enough of Hank Pym himself. In like throughout his history, to say like I love Hank Pym, I find him a, to be a very interesting character, and I like him in other media that I've seen him in. Like if I just recently watched the uh, first season of uh, that Avengers cartoon, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and he's one of the best characters they have. It's amazing. But like their whole like like I love like like Scott and Cassie Lang. I love like Jan. I love like uh uh. Eric O'Grady, like all of these characters, they're just awesome, and like I, and it's such a cool superpower to play with, especially if you're gonna like really get like a good director who has like a vision of how to to just use that as a visual on film. And this is like it's gonna be directed by Edgar Wright, who's the guy that gave us Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, 
uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, like all that stuff. So like he's got like a this quirky sense of humor. He knows how to handle comedy. He knows how to blend it with action a bunch of different ways, as seen by all of those three films. I think Ant Man has the potential to really surprise and endear itself to a lot of people. I, and I hope so. no, go ahead. I, I mean, like I, I hope so. Um, <clears throat> I hope it's the Eric O'Grady. Because, I mean, I, I thought that was fantastic. In fact, I kind of think, well, I mean, I know that they want to, like, you know, go with branding as far as, like, uh, maybe going for the most iconic version of the character. But then I can also see them wanting to capitalize off of uh, um, Walking Dead writer's name. Robert Kirkman? Yeah, Kirkman, who wrote the that, that Ant-Man series with O'Grady. That's true. Plus, I, like when you look at the other films I mentioned that this guy made, like it seems like Eric would be like the kind of character that he could he's like more used to working with, as opposed to like like the the straight laced sci- super scientists that may or may not have mental problems depending on what story they want to tell. Right. Um, now, honestly, I thought that the next one would be the one that you're more excited about. Oh no! Like, listen, I this next one is one I am very excited about. But at the same time, I kind of thought they were going to do it. So this was a nice like confirmation of what I thought was going to come. Whereas Ant Man was completely out of left field. So I got smacked with that in the face like a brick made of happiness. The next one... There's your pull-away quote. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally shaking my head as you say that. <laughs> I should better be on the back of the Blu-ray. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know what? I wasn't as surprised about that one as I was the fact that they're actually going to throw Rocket Raccoon in there. <laughs> you have to throw Rocket Raccoon in there! How? No, no, you cannot. That's like having a Green Lantern movie with no rings in it. You have to have Rocket. Look, I said it before. I'll say it again. They put Rocket Raccoon in the movie. I'm going to personally drag everyone I know to the theater and let Rocket Raccoon do the rest. This is fantastic. This is God. This could be the Green Lantern movie we've all wanted. Like the they have a the concept art. That shows what may or may not be the full cast. You've got Rocket Raccoon with his BFG. It's amazing. You have Groot, the giant tree man. You've got Star-Lord. Looks like Drax the Destroyer. And I can't make out in this picture who the woman is. That might be uh, Gamora. That might be Mantis. Might be Quasar. It's Gamora. Oh, they have said? Okay. Yes. Cool. Like this, like oh my god, this is like this more than anything is like uncharted territory for Marvel movies, where this is this has the potential to just be a straight up sci-fi superhero movie, which you know is I think a necessary bridge to Avengers two if you're going to bring in Thanos and all like that uh that more cosmicy stuff. You need like a little like a nice intermediary step. And, like, I am so 
so excited to see how this movie does and how it's received because like this is completely out of the the Marvel movie comfort zone. It has and it, it has Rocket Raccoon in it. My God, like who would have like yeah we got oh my God, someone else talk. Know, I'm excited for the movie. Um, you know, if they do it right, then I'll definitely enjoy it. I, I don't know. Like this, this just seems like the kind of thing that could be just over the line for what people are willing to buy. Does it strike you guys as like kind of like a? a middle ground between a Marvel movie and a Disney movie, considering some of the characters they have. I mean, it's got the Marvel superhero thing, but it's also, like, one of the cast members is an anthropomorphic raccoon, and the other is, like, a talking tree. Um, uh, as far as Guardians of the Galaxy being a, a Disney thing and Marvel thing, I don't I don't know. I can't really comment on that because I don't have any experience whatsoever with a single issue of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I thought you were going to say you hadn't <laughs> seen any Disney movies ever. <laughs> no. Disney? <laughs> God. Yeah. Out in Texas, they, uh, they haven't come out this way yet. That's his <laughs> Texas accent. Just Apparently. So <laughs> uh, but this is like... Because, I mean, like... It, as soon as Avengers came out, it seemed like Marvel just all of a sudden started pushing Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they're going to show up in in a, the Avengers Assemble comic, which was, like, basically the movie tie-in comic. They're, like, there's there's been talk that they're going to get an ongoing series in this new Marvel initiative. They're showing up in the second season of the Avengers cartoon. Um, my friend Rob just got that uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, the latest one, three, I don't know, and it's got Rocket Raccoon as a playable character in it. So it's like, they're... And this was all before San Diego. So it's like, well, I guess they're probably going to make that movie after all, you know? Ah, uh, I'm so happy. So happy. Okay. Does that wrap up the San Diego talk? That's for me. Yep. If you're out there and you're also happy about Rocket Raccoon's theatrical debut, call in. 708 Lantern. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So we're done? Yes. Chad! Oh, my turn. Oh, I guess I, I guess we're I guess we're doing the Lantern Cast uh, Larfleet's report, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Lantern Cast Larfleet's report, as opposed to the other ones he does for other shows. Oh man, not Young Justice Larfleet's report. Hey, you never know. I might actually be doing stuff on the side I never tell you about. Um, <laughs> that's cheating on yeah, us. Yeah, right. We should have promoted him all those years ago. You know, for shows that actually recognize that I'm here and the listeners that recognize that I'm the part of the show. Wait, there are <laughs> listeners of other shows that recognize you? Shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> there are co-hosts of other shows that recognize me enough to work with me. 
So, face. Um, good lord. Are you crinkling paper in front of that mic, or what? (laughs) No. Oh, okay. Blissful silence. Uh, (laughs) What? Nothing. Are you okay? (laughs) God. (laughs) Time alarm later report. Just start it. (laughs) Hey, Lenny. Hey, Lanterncast family, I'm Chad Bulkelman, and welcome to yet another live edition of the Larflees Report, if Jim would mute his mic for half a second. <laughs> starting with starting with Earth 2, number 5, out on October 3rd of 2012. Uh, this features Green Lantern, Hawkgirl, Flash, as they take on Grundy, and the military's hero, The Atom, which I'm telling you, I told you, I saw this in a solicitation somewhere, they're going up against Grundy and the Atom. The Atom is not a part of the team, according to this solicitation. Because that is the verbatim. They take on Grundy and the military's hero, the Atom. <laughs> and according to the solicit, GL also makes a choice that will change the course of Earth 2 forever. So, I'm assuming that means the JSA is going to form. Because they're coming off of a like what a five year stint where all the superheroes in the world are dead or missing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, man, this like, I don't, what do you think? Like, what do you think the government's stance is going to be on superheroes in this world? Because like everybody, like the whole world seems to unanim- unanimously agree that Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and Robin were all like a number one heroes like they're great we all love them and remember them now all of a sudden washington dc is decimated and now there's these random super guys running around like what do you like do you think they're gonna be like thank god we have superheroes again or do you think they're gonna be like oh what's going on here who are they i think we saw some foreshadowing of that in the first (laughs) issue because um when supergirl heard Cal die and flew off to go check on him right as the troops she was protecting got attacked by parademons. I, I think that might play a part in it that the military has a certain stance of, you know, they abandoned this <laughs> one before they'll do it again. Interesting. And speaking of that that uh, scene, I would encourage you to go back and I know. Uh, yeah, you know you know who's in there? You know who's riding around on that tank? Al Pratt. That'd be him. The Adam himself. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, cool. What else you got? Oh, Jim's back! What you call it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess the, the big question is how much, uh, how many problems they had in the five-year gap. It was a five-year gap, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I mean, like, depending on, like, what's been going on since then, like, if there hasn't been a need for superheroes, you know, then maybe they're all, like, uh, you know, blissfully thankful for the fact that, you know, no superheroes means no villains, no problems whatsoever. You know, because now all of a sudden, with uh, the birth of, you know, Green Lantern, you also have the birth of uh, the other guy. Yeah. So, you know, you take the good, you take the bad. And I'm not... Damn it! Damn it, damn it, damn it! 
we continuing right along before he does it. Um, the rise, uh, the rise of Third Army. Now I might. The rise of, hey, <laughs> rise of the Third Army comes in the form of a uh, a four pay a, a four cover spread coolness awesomeness. Uh, Green Lantern number thirteen, Green Lantern Corps number thirteen, Green Lantern New Guardians number thirteen, and Red Lanterns number thirteen, and respectively, in Green Lantern. Uh, Earth's new Green Lantern battles the Justice League, and meanwhile the Guardians begin their final step in the destruction of the Lanterns by releasing the first of the Third Army soldiers in Green Lantern Corps uh, 13. Jon Stewart discovers there's a new Green Lantern on Earth, and the Third Army strikes, and everything changes for Guy Gardner, something you see teased in the latest issue of Green Lantern, which is number 11. Shut up, shut up. Um, I said teased. I didn't tell you anything about what it is. La la la. (laughs) Greenland and New Guardians number 13. Kyle Rayner arrives on Earth to heartbreaking news uh, and the new debut of the all-new Carol Ferris Star Sapphire non-slut. Hey, they say that in the book. They know. Um, They they listen to our show. <laughs> no, they don't. And uh, Red Lantern's number thirteen. As the Third Army attacks, a Red Lantern will die. And what dark choice will Atrocitus be forced to make to ensure the survival of the Red Lantern Corps? And Rage Kitty looks like a panther. Nice. He's getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Any speculation on the only thing I think that's actually worth speculating on at the moment, at least, is uh, Kyle Rayner's heartbreaking news. I don't know. Does he have any ex-girlfriends that are still alive? The, uh, the lease is up on his apartment. <laughs> Mirror Master found his apartment after all. <laughs> what? That was your idea, Dan. Was it? Yeah. I don't remember All, all the stuff hanging on the wall in Kyle's apartment that oh, yeah. probably picture frames. Yeah. Huh? I don't know. I mean, is his mom still alive in this continuity? They could kill her. I don't know. <laughs> She's probably still dead. All right. Maybe he'll meet somebody new who can die in that issue. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, wait, he met Voodoo once. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I think her. Does she still have a book? I think like I canceled. She could die. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Continuing on with Green Lantern related stuff. Green Lantern Sector 2814 Volume 1 Trade Paperback. And yes, that is what it is called. This is a 192-page, $17 Green Lantern trade featuring Green Lantern number 172 through 176 and 178 through 181. This is the Len Wein, Dave Gibbon, and Dick Dick, uh, Dick Giordano run. <laughs> And this comes out on November 14th. These are those issues that not necessarily hard to find, but at least for me, when I look at the covers, I'm like, eh, I'll get them some other time. And I do that multiple freaking times. <laughs> so, thank God this trade is finally coming out. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming out with a trade of issues that you've literally said, I don't think I need that. <laughs> but I need the trade. Oh. <laughs> uh, I should figure out if I need those issues or not. I'm pretty sure I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing right along, DC Comics New 52 Art FX Plus statues from uh, that that are roughly 40 bucks. 
and they stand at seven and a half inches tall. The first two out are Superman and Green Lantern, based on the new 52 designs of these figures. Uh, they're actually pretty cool. Green Lantern, uh, as with, well, at least more traditionally, recently, rather, uh, hit the paint job on him is a more metallic green than an actual flat green. So it's a pretty nice-looking statue. Um, these are basically high-detail statue versions of the figures that are coming out. Uh, the 52 uh, figures of the Justice League. They're pretty cool looking. Probably one of the first uh, Green Lantern statues of its size that is actually worth the $40 price tag. And from Graffiti Designs, uh, three shirts, um, only one of which is new, I think. Uh, a black... Uh, the, the new one being a black shirt with the uh, Green Lantern annual that's coming out, that that uh, very Superman-esque bleeding symbol. Well, you know, it's the Green Lantern version. That's going to be on a black T-shirt. Then the resolicited Green Lantern symbol on a top of a green T-shirt and the red shirt with the Alan Scott Lantern on top of it, all of which from medium to extra large are eighteen ninety five and extra extra large at twenty one ninety five. I wonder if somebody <sighs> has a blog... Three shirts to the wind. What? I can't hear you over all of that static. Screw you. What? <sighs> Chad, I think Jim's talking. I'm not sure, though. <laughs> it really is bad, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. You know what? There's nothing I can do about it. Hey, he did something about it. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> I think I heard Jim. Uh, I'm staying out of this one so you incur the, the majority of his wrath. Chad told me to do it. <laughs> hey, I've already got picked on most of this show. Let's let's let uh, someone else have the, the time for now. Yeah. Um, Justice League from... Oh, God, I hate these Japanese names. I can never pronounce them. Make me seem like a fool. Um, the Justice League Kotobukiya, uh, K-O-T-O-B-U-K-I-Y-A. Uh, yeah, these are, um, it's, it's a whole set. So, I mean, it's not, it's not going to be, um, individual. It's, 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 it's a $60 set, uh, both in regular color and metallic color versions of the new Justice League in a very blocky, uh, like almost blockheads kind of format of the character. They're not my cup of tea, but they're pretty cool looking, at least. So. Uh, and an honorable mention, because I just thought it was freaking awesome. Uh, among the new 52 action figures coming out, there's going to be a $90 deluxe action figure out on November 28th, as tall as two of the new 52 figures standing on each other's shoulders. It's dark side. Wow. It's going to be like a 13-inch-tall dark side figure for $90. <laughs> I can't freaking wait. And the reason it's an honorable mention is because, my God, if I'm actually considering spending $90 on a figure, <laughs> it's say, are you, are you getting it? Are you getting it? I might have to. It's just really freaking cool. Oh, man. Yeah, it's 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 pretty freaking massive. <laughs> Marvel pick. This time is uh, it's, it's for Dan. Um, Yay! 
a number one issue <laughs> called A Babies versus X Babies. Oh god. <laughs> Avenger Babies versus X Babies. Written by Scotty Young with art by Guru Hero, if that's how you say his name. It's coming and it's bringing babies with it. Who will live, <laughs> die, who will get diaper rash. Find out as the X-Babies face the A-Babies in the tie-in to end all tie-ins. God. You know, I keep almost buying that poster that uh, Scotty Young did that inspired this whole thing. Mm-hmm. With the, it's the AVX covers, the two of them that just have the two teams fighting as babies. I, I'm not quite sure if I want to get this issue though because I don't I don't think I've ever seen any artwork by this guy but like it turned me off a little bit to know that the interior won't be Scotty Young and I, I'm usually not a fan of his interior work but like I, I feel like the personality of his style kind of made that poster cover image kind of click you know yeah. I'll probably get it anyway <laughs> I like a little gambit down there in the corner. He's cool looking. Yeah. I like Emma Frost is poking Daredevil in the eye. I like how... Um, no, I'm on, I'm talking about the cover of this, this issue, number one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like how Thor's uh, helmet with the little wings on it also has a little propeller on the top. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Um, and an indie pick for you uh, comes in the form of um, of my pick of the week, which I'll get <laughs> to in a minute. Um, but before I do that, let's start off with <laughs> the ridiculous, the ridiculous duo. duo. Uh, here it comes. <laughs> this time around, I literally, before we started recording this episode, got my issue of previews an hour before we started record- recording. I started flipping through previews and I couldn't find a damn thing for the first part of the ridiculous duo. And I was starting to worry about it when I turned the page and the heavens opened (laughs) and my my prayers were answered (laughs) in the form of the Watchman Rorschach toaster. Oh my God. I knew about this thing. (laughs) It's a black painted toaster with a Watchmen logo and the characters on it. It's got little touch buttons for your settings. But the great thing about this (laughs) toaster (laughs) is that it toasts your bread into little burned shapes of a Rorschach mask on the bread itself. (laughs) Alan Moore is spinning in his grave. Is he dead? No, he just sleeps in one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so if you want your toast to uh look like the mask of rorschach um please inquire about the price of this item of their night this is a please inquire item yes oh jesus christ yo chad i think this is the perfect companion piece to your dark side figure in part two Part two of the ridiculous duo came in the same method, just kind of a, a heaven's opening moment <laughs> where I was like nearing the end of the book and couldn't find anything. And then I turned the page and oh, oh in all its glory, there it was. So you know how you like to play with darts 
And uh, you thought for a little while when you first got to play with them, those were kind of cool, throwing a sharp object against this board in the wall. And that was just cool to a little kid. Well, and then when you were growing up, your parents started teaching you things like, don't run in the house with scissors and, and don't throw knives. Well, they're coming out with a uh, United... Um, um, they're coming out with a United Cutlery Zombie Target knife set. <laughs> what this is, <coughs> it's, is a, um, it is a set of knives with a board that you pin against the wall as you throw knives across the room. These are and knives, you, knives, like... Knives, knives. Knives, knives. They, they, wow. they, they, and by the way, it's glow in the dark, so you can turn off the lights when you do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got spaces, so you can, if you hit them in the eye, bonus. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for for forty nine bucks, you can have, uh, you can throw knives in the dark at a wall. <laughs> it's like. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to train you to be an assassin. Guaranteed to accidentally kill your pets. <laughs> I swear to God, guys, look this up. United Cutlery Zombie Target Knife Sets. Because there's does... two different versions. And this costs how much? 49 bucks. How does this cost less than the dark side figure and the toaster? <laughs> <laughs> God. The razor-sharp stainless steel throwers measure six inches in length and feature a black baked on finish. Perfectly oh. balanced for an easy, accurate throw every time. How many <laughs> knives do you get? Uh, a dozen. All right. Oh, my God. That's more than I thought. What the <laughs> hell? Can they mail this legally? I shit you not, guys. I swear to God, you got to look at this. The this is... Is it's not enough. Weird they, previews or something. It's, it's not enough that they're soliciting that you you can throw knives now. But it, they had to add in that you know what would be cool if it glowed in the dark so you could throw <laughs> knives in the dark. Oh god! Oh my god! Uh, uh, I think we need a game night. I think that's what we need. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> God, remember how last Super Show we were trying to find a board game to play? <laughs> this uh, is it, y'all. Who wants, to, who wants to throw knives in the dark? We'll just put it up on the days in wall and just go for it. This one standing wins. <laughs> it's pitch black. <laughs> that was probably the best ridiculous duo ever. That was uh, the winner gets a Rorschach toaster. <laughs> My pick of the week. Week, week, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bleeding Cool magazine number one. Ooh. Yeah, Bleeding Cool has started to put out a magazine, and the first issue comes out in October of this year. Uh, for four ninety nine, this one hundred and four page mag- uh, debut magazine features two particular uh, stories of note, uh, among other things. First of the first off being. Top 100 Most Powerful People in Comics, which would be an interesting read. And then 
Um, what's his name? I keep forgetting the name of the guy who does this. Rich Johnson? Yes. He kicks things off with a bang because the very first interview in his new magazine is with Alan Moore. So for five bucks in October, this uh, 100 page magazine, definitely pick it up because Bleeding Cool does come up with some great stuff and has been used as a main resource of a lot of uh, comic fans as, as a resource for news and, and uh, things going on. So for a website such as Bleeding Cool or any website really to see enough potential to start a magazine, especially in this day and age. He's got to have at least a good plan. There's, I don't, I don't, I don't think Rich is is dumb enough to try something he doesn't think has merit. Yeah, and Alan Moore lined up for issue one is a good strategy for a first issue, just because, I mean, the guy gets a lot of people's attention for one reason or another. That's why, that's why every time anything ever happens, somebody goes to him for a pull quote because they know they're going to get a lot of eyes. So yeah, hopefully he's going to continue playing it as smart. And that is uh, the Lower Fleet Report this time around, and I'm going to wrap it up with a quick uh, thing on my end and then Jim bring Jim in for something he didn't know he was going to do. Um, <laughs> from, okay. From Vertigo, uh, a while back, I mentioned Punk Rock Jesus number <clears throat> one. Uh, I picked up this issue the other week, read through it. It is twisted. It is creepy. It is sacrilegious. <laughs> um, is it more or less sacrilegious than Thor the Unkillable Thunder Christ? I haven't read that, so I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, oh God, I can't tell you what they do in here because that would spoil it. Um, <laughs> it's all black and white. It There are no ads in the book. Nice. Uh, and it is printed not on glossy paper, but on paper. Like newsprint, okay. Uh, so it's uh, it's. I mean, if you can, if you know, raise Christian or something, <laughs> or not religious at all, or whatever, or can you know have, I mean, whatever. I mean, I was raised in a, a Christian church, and I still go occasionally. Uh, and there were points in this book where I was like, "Holy crap! If I brought this into church, <laughs> they would kill me." <laughs> but I I appreciated it for what it was, and it's it. There's some crazy stuff happening in this book you should definitely check it out and i've already talked about this other book but now that jim has had a chance to read it uh i was going to ask him what for on-air purposes what he thought of revival number one it's uh it's definitely not like a typical zombie book uh when you told me that it was like you know like a zombie genre like that in and of itself turns me off but um no, I liked it. I, I didn't think it was... Uh, it definitely wasn't typical zombie. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it, it takes it takes a turn um, that... I, and this this isn't even, like, in, in the end of the book, like a, a twist. It's just a new take on the zombie concept. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but it's it's... They're not zombies as you've ever seen them before. Uh, they're uh, in in some regards you couldn't even call them zombies. It just really depends. Hmm. Um, so so with that in mind, but there's also another twist in that story in the form of some other mystery character that 
may be there or maybe the figment of an imagination or nobody knows this this weird moment that leaves you hanging you don't know what the hell is going on it's 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 really good and and uh, there there are no ads in this one either it's just story mm-hmm. through and it's if, if it got jim to read a zombie con- concept book it's definitely <laughs> worth as cgs says since we tend to ape from them all the time um supporting norton yeah, these are your quick pops right here. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely good. Um, in fact, I think I just heard that uh, the first issue is selling, you know, for a little bit over cover price <laughs> on eBay, and it's going to be, um, it's not going to be till August before they can get a first uh, reprint out. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, this is the Mike Norton book. Okay. Yeah. Revival number one from Image. Isn't yes. it uh, Tim Seeley writing this, I think? Or who's writing this? No, I don't have Revival in front of me. It's in my long box. Let me look it up. I think it, I think it is Tim Seeley. Drawn by Mike Norton. But yeah, lately, especially since I have a job, I've been making a point to purchase a lot <clears> of the <throat> I've said that I would that I recommend on the Larfleys Report, uh, specifically in relation to indie picks. Um uh, Marvel is going to have to do a hell of a lot to get me back into the universe because I'm I'm kind of done with them for a while. Um, so Marvel picks, I'm not really buying them, guys. I'll be get, picking up Gambit, but if basically <clears throat> if I say something is an indie pick or a pick of the week, I'm definitely getting it. Um, and Punk Rock Jesus, so far, it's not really my new, it's not my thing, but it's it's interesting enough that I'm like, what the hell is going to happen next? I got to find out. And then revival number one is such a new concept that I'm like, I got it. Plus the art is beautiful. Yeah, no, this looks, cause I found a, like a four page preview and it looks really good, which, you know, shouldn't expect anything less from Mike Norton. Right. But, uh, awesome. So yeah, definitely check it out. And, uh, since Jim already talked about it, pick up Earth One Batman. <laughs> yes, that's coming in my next DCBS shipment. I'm looking forward to this. I wish it came out closer to Earth One Superman, the first volume, but you know what? I'm not gonna complain about it showing up now. Not as good as Earth One Superman, would you say, Jim? I haven't read it yet. You haven't read yeah. Earth One Superman yet? Oh well, I read, read Earth One Superman. <laughs> I didn't read uh, the Batman one yet. Oh man, I don't think it's I don't think it's as good as Earth One Superman, but I think it's really close, um, and definitely it, it, at the very least, and this this doesn't really sound like much of a, a hype for the book or, or anything, but it's definitely worth cover price if that means anything. Okay, it's a justified purchase, I believe. So, <coughs> uh, I, and this isn't any spoilers. Um, they even mentioned this on the back cover in the uh, review of the book. You can see Batman's eyes in the art. Uh, Gary Frank makes the point of drawing mm-hmm. it so you can see Batman's eyes, which adds a whole lot to the story. Um, I mean, you don't really rec- realize that at first until you're reading and you're like, you can s- basically see what Batman's feeling and thinking, which is is cool. Uh, whether it actually looks good or not, eh, that's mm-hmm. a few, but it's it's an interesting aspect. And uh, the characterization of Alfred is one of my uh, one of my favorites in this book, um, as well as some of the liberties they took with some of the other characters, which you will see in the book itself. Okay. Oh, cool. So, 
hopefully them timing this for uh, Dark Knight Rises territory is going to help this book out. I just hope that it's Jeff Johns' take on Batman as he originally intended to be and not allowing himself to be influenced by anything else. Because we are always re- we remember when they originally <clears throat> or talked about this, like, what, two years ago? Yeah. That they said, you know, that Jeff says, you know, I'd never written a Bat- Batman book and I want to do my take on him. So they basically gave him carte blanche to do this. And you know, <clears throat> Jeff, Gary Frank, gave us, uh, is giving us currently Billy Batson the new Shazam for the new 52. It gave a Superman secret origin, both of which great books. Uh, I can't remember what else uh, the the team up of Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did. They did um that action comics arc with a uh, Superman and the Legion. Yes. Um, and actually, good. I think I think during uh San Diego actually they they uh, mentioned that they were already working on volume two of uh, Earth Two Batman or Earth One Batman. Mm-hmm this thing they're doing the next one of this thing and it's going to focus on like him learning to be a detective and like it's going to you uh feature the riddler which uh, like i love both of those facts <laughs> that kind of spoils a, a reveal book, oh. but, yeah. i didn't know yeah but you know uh it's nothing that big of a deal it still <laughs> makes it really good uh i mean you it's just it's just an in-page thing that's just kind of like, oh, cool, that's what's coming next kind of a thing. All right. Yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with the story. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank have always, and far, as far as the stuff I've read by them, always been a great team, and this is no exception. Cool. Are we done? You guys going to close this out? Okay. Did you want to? You guys could do it. Well, one oh. of you has to. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all do it at the same time, all three of us. <laughs> if you want to contact us, it's lanterncasts at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail that we'll actually play at uh, 708-LANTERN. Or you can talk to us on our forum, found at lanterncast.com. Uh, and speaking of lantern guests, t- lanterncast.com, you can uh, find uh, let's uh, about... <laughs> galleries of our sketches um, episodes past episodes and links to the forums uh, as well as our twitter feed and other such goings ons yes that twitter is twitter.com slash lanterncast I think I don't know how twitter works uh, and speaking of other social and speaking of social media we're also on facebook so follow our our uh, posts there and find us on iTunes and leave a review. Just search Lantern Cast, and you know that's yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> we all lastly have individual uh, email accounts: Jim at LanternCast.com, Dan at LanternCast.com, uh, Jason at LanternCast.com, and James at LanternCast.com. And Chad has a blog at CoreConjecture.blogspot.com. There's a, I think the most recent post is still the uh, secret life of Neil, uh, not Neil Adams, Martin Nodell. <laughs> <laughs> that would be <laughs> deal. <laughs> the secret yeah. life of Neil Adams is him journeying to the center of the earth to try and glue it back together. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, secret life of Martin Nodell at the time of this recording, uh, which is nothing new, just content I found online that I deserve, I thought deserved more attention. 
Um, so I, uh, it's not by me. It's just stuff I, I found that I think uh, other people should see. It's an old interview with uh, Martin O'Dell that I think, uh, you know, you can spend some time and watch it. There's Everybody's got a few minutes in their day to check it out. Yeah. I think that's everything. Oh, this was fun. We should do another voicemail episode in a year. Ha, 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 Technically six months. Yeah, six months. God. Chris, Christmas. <laughs> Both terrible people. So in addition to our normal three, four-hour <laughs> talk to everybody that's ever been a friend, friend of the Lantern Cast episode, we'll just throw in voicemails, too. Yes, we're going to do a six-hour episode. <laughs> Someday it'll happen. We've broken four hours before, right? I don't know uh, if we've broken four. Start to end record time, yes. Not what we ended up posting. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Ooh, that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> please, don't, please don't give James so much that he bails on us. He already had his chance when he fleed multiple countries. Where is he now? Indonesia? Globetrotting James. Did you say fleed? Isn't it fled? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>